Hi there, it is Adam Leventhal here. Welcome to another of the Athletics Premier League Countdown podcasts with the return of the 2019-20 season only days away now. We're releasing 20 shows on the Ornstein and Chapman feed, each one dedicated to a different Premier League team. That is two podcasts a day, every day, up until football returns. Now, if you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up right now and take advantage of our 30-day free trial by going to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to enjoy the best football writing anywhere just as the season makes its return. Now, in this episode, uh, we're taking a look at Brighton, currently 15th in the table, but only two points better off than Bournemouth in 18th. And to help us, we can welcome the Athletics' dedicated Brighton writer, Andy Naylor. Andy, great to have you with us. Now, before uh, we talk about the return of football, I just wanted to touch upon how Brighton have behaved within lockdown because it has been a very open and very honest football club to cover, hasn't it? It certainly has, yes. They've been very transparent from the outset. They held uh, regular press conferences, weekly press conferences on Zoom, Throughout the last 10 weeks, Paul Barber, the chief executive, has been available on all of those. They've also had, uh, on one occasion, Tony Bloom, the owner-chairman, Dan Ashworth, the technical director, Graham Potter, the head coach. They've answered questions openly and honestly from members of the media. So I think in, in that regard, they've kind of led the Premier League during lockdown. Yeah, it has been very, very impressive indeed. I suppose contrasting to, to Brighton overall this season because it was a, it was a bright start but then was fading before lockdown wasn't it I mean in general terms I may have done them a disservice there but how would you sum up Brighton's season so far? No I think I think that's pretty accurate Adam it's it's kind of been a tale of two halves if you look at the first half of the season I mean for Graham Potter head coach replacing the sack to Chris Hewton a 3-0 win at Watford uh, perhaps <laughs> created an environment that was over overly optimistic but you come to October at the Amex and, and they dismantled Spurs, really played them off the park, 3-0 victory. And then again, uh, against one of the uh, giants from North London, they went to the Emirates in December and won at Arsenal, which was their first win in the Premier League, this being their third season, away to one of the regarded as the top six clubs. So everything was looking pretty good then. It's not been so great since the turn of year. Uh, their last win was actually the last game of uh, 2019 at home to Bournemouth. So it's been a struggle since then. A lot of draws and a lot of narrow defeats. How do you think, you know, knowing the, the club so well and how they will have prepared for the restart, do you think that they are in a, in a good position heading back into playing football once again in terms of you know players returning from from fitness and such like I think they are and and what's quite interesting is if you look at what their schedule would have been uh, had the season played out normally they were in a situation where they were meant to play Arsenal at home and then their next game away to Leicester was off anyway because of Leicester's involvement in the FA Cup they then had a gap uh, they were playing Manchester United next so the overall fixture program is not that dissimilar to the one they are facing now, although it looks very congested and hectic, doesn't it? 
between now and, and the proposed completion uh, sort of end of July. So they would have been prepared for that. And it's also been an opportunity, I think we must bear in mind, injuries you mentioned there, Aaron Connolly, young striker, he had an ankle injury sustained in training just before the Arsenal game. And he's had surgery on that ankle, so he's back fit now. And they also would have been involved, many Brighton players would have been involved in international games at that time. You're thinking of the likes of Shane Duffy, who would have been a really key figure for the Republic of Ireland in their Euro Championship playoffs. So, in a very strange sort of way, it m might have come at a good time, as well as bearing in mind the sort of poor run of results. And that's, that almost seems a distant memory now, rather than going into that period of nine games off the back of those poor results. Yeah, I think a lot of football clubs that were, were struggling before lockdown can almost treat this as a pre-season and, and a genuine reset and hopefully start with, with some, some positive minds out there. But I wanted to sort of touch, I suppose, back a little bit on, on how the club have behaved um, during lockdown and they've been very open and another player that's spoken openly as well is, is Glenn Murray. Obviously, a, a key player and someone that can certainly have an influence in these final few games at the club in general terms because he was he was speaking with maybe a little bit of reticence a couple of weeks ago about about coming back too soon is the general mood amongst the squad do you think that of of a of a positive outlook that they can look upwards rather than really fearing you know what's over their shoulder yeah, I think it is. I think they've come round to the idea. I think that they're, they're fully behind. Brighton have never made any secret the fact that they want the season to end. The bit they were complaining about was the idea of every game being played at neutral venues. They didn't like that, which was the original plan. And as uh, Paul Barber kind of led the campaign against that. And it's quite interesting when you look back now, that was portrayed as a case of... Um, the bottom six looking after themselves and the other 14 were quite happy with it. When it actually came to a vote, it was the other way round. There were 14 clubs against the uh, neutral grounds plan. So um, it's going to be tough. They've got hard games. There's no doubt about that. You look at their fixtures at home, you know, they've still got to play Man United, Man City, Liverpool and Arsenal. It looks tough on paper, the run-in. But I think they can be pretty optimistic. They've still got that little little cushion. It doesn't sound much, two points above the relegation zone, but that could be a crucial cushion. And in terms of, of how Graham Potter has done this season, obviously you mentioned uh, that opening day win, which sort of set the bar quite high um, after you know, a very convincing win against Watford. Uh, for sake of argument, Brighton stay where they are and they survive. Is the presumption that Graham, the Graham Potter sort of experiment, I suppose you could call it, is it, has been a success or was more hoped for? No, I don't think so. And I, I wouldn't necessarily call it an experiment, Adam. I know where you're coming from because they had Chris Hutton, an experienced manager who brought them up, kept them up for two seasons, which was basically his brief. And then they appointed Graham Potter. But, but they've, taken, they've been tracking Graham for a long time as a prospective future Brighton manager, the work he did at Ostersund and, and Swansea last season. And this is all part of a long-term project at Brighton. They very much, Tony Bloom, the owner, he very much looks long-term. They want to establish themselves eventually as a top 10 club in the Premier League that are not constantly 
looking over their shoulders season after season. They felt that to achieve that, Graham Potter was, was the right appointment to take them forward. It's going to take time and patience is always in short supply in football, isn't it? Obviously, you need the results as well. But it was only 13 games into the season that having signed a four-year contract, uh, Graham Potter got an extra two years. So that was an indication of the scale of the faith in him. And I think whatever happens between now and the end of the season, of course they don't want to go down. That goes without saying. The financial implications are very severe. But they've got faith they will certainly stick with him, I think. I don't think there would be any question of a change if the worst happens. What what piece of the jigsaw, well, then there might be a few, are, are still missing to, to try and make Brighton, you know, that, that top 10 side, which is, a, which is quite a... You know, quite a big challenge for a side that isn't or ever going to be one of the the big clubs in the country. Obviously, it's got a, a great stadium and it's a great place to to be and to live, and it's got a good catchment area and things like that. But but what pieces are still missing that you think you know if they are going to show faith um, to Graham Potter, come what may, still need to be secured? Well, well, I think we, the reason I say we're talking about a slow build is because the are historical considerations to take into account here. Brighton, as a club, 2010-11, they won League One at with Dean, which was a temporary, meant to be a temporary stadium that brought them back to Brighton uh, after a ground share at Gillingham for two years. And when you think how far they've come in what is still a relatively short space of time, so obviously they, they were two divisions below where they are now, as recently as 10 years ago. The wages would have been nothing like they were now. Uh, the potential of the club since moving to the Amex. So it, it was never going to happen overnight. And it's going to take time with the academy as well. They're starting, we're starting to see one or two players coming through now into first team. Uh, Graham Potter's used Stephen Alzati this season and the aforementioned Aaron Connolly. So we're beginning to slowly see the benefits of the academy. And that is the kind of long-term vision. And that's why it is going to take time. It's not going to be an overnight. They, they can't expect to be 8th, ninth straight away. It's going to be a gradual process to, to reach that ultimate goal. So that's obviously for the, the longer term. But when we get back to, to playing football and we have that first weekend, who do you think the Brighton fans are most looking forward to um, playing and influencing a, a an ease away from the relegation zone? Well, I think it will be interesting to see how much of a part Alexis McAllister plays. This is a young Argentinian, 21 who they bought last season, was on loan in Argentina. They brought him back from Boca in January. He actually made his first appearance, a little cameo, substitute appearance, in the final game before the lockdown when they drew nil-nil at Wolves. And he was very impressive straight away. The way he imposed himself, he was willing to take set plays. He had a kind of free role, sort of number 10, which is where he works best. I think he could be a surprise card for Brighton in this in this running. Okay. Before we go, I mean, just a quick prediction: is is it all going to go to plan? Is is that the feeling in your water at the moment that they are going to pull away? I think they're going to have enough. Whether they pull away or not, it wouldn't surprise me if it's tight. <laughs> come the final reckoning, 
but I think they have enough about them to stay up for a third season. We shall see. Everyone so far amongst uh, the the relegation candidates, uh, Aston Villa, Bournemouth and yourself, all saying, yeah, I think they've got enough. Someone's going to have to go down and someone is going to be disappointed. So <laughs> There's we a surprise, see. Adam, yes. <laughs> right. Andy, thank you very much indeed. Just a reminder, if you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, uh, make sure that you go to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman uh, to be able to enjoy all of Andy's articles about Brighton. Uh, you can currently take advantage of our 30-day free trial if you want to try before you buy uh, and be able to enjoy all the best football writing as the Premier League returns. Keep an eye on this podcast feed, remember, and the Athletic app to hear all 20 of our Premier League countdown podcasts, each one dedicated to a different team. We'll see you for the next one soon.